Good afternoon, everyone. So glad to see all of you here again at Thursday Prayer Gathering from Abundant Living Ministries. I'm Pastor Diane Thomas. So glad to have you. Glad to have all those here in the room with me today. Thank you so much. God has a blessing for us, and he has maybe some answers for you today. Maybe I'm going to be talking about some things that maybe you haven't thought about, of what Jesus has done for you and how you, we can measure up if we just think about all that he has done for us. So let's go quickly into uh, our message, our lesson for today, because a lot of people may be on your, on your lunch break or whatever, and we do want to get to prayer for you as well. So today we're going to be talking about do not neglect your salvation. Do not neglect your salvation. It's found in Hebrews 2, the second chapter, 1 through 4. And we'll be reading from the Bible. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And Pastor Thad was touching on some of the thoughts of my message last night. Those of you who, will, who need to know this, you can go to our uh, website and you can find his message on Wednesday night uh, on the date of May 28th, I think. But today, we're going to be talking about do not neglect your salvation. And it's found in Hebrews, second chapter, one through four. Let's read. <clears throat> Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Or this earnest here means all the more careful attention. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast or proved true, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word, for it is life into our spirit and medicine to our flesh. And I thank you, God, it will bring forth what you want it done today as we yield to you. And then we have 1 Timothy 4.14. It's a scripture we used, I think, maybe a couple of weeks ago. It says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Do not neglect the gifts. And salvation is a gift of God. It is the main gift of God. Here the Apostle Paul was warning the church of drifting away because of neglecting this great salvation that was given to them as well as all of us through Jesus Christ. Because of Israel's negligence, the law brought forth a just reward. Ah, that reward here in my Bible says here, retribution or penalty. A just reward that was given by angels to Moses. So how much more indifference to this salvation brought by Christ will ne negligent believers receive even a greater punishment? Salvation is the greatest gift of all given to mankind by God Almighty. The greatness of salvation is confirmed by three facts listed here in Hebrews. It was, first, it was spoken by the Lord. It was confirmed by the apostles. It was attested by the ministry of the Holy Spirit through miracles and spiritual gifts. It is an age-long expectation 
that such manifestations of Christ's glory will be ministered by the Holy Spirit in confirming the spread of the gospel. And that's found in Mark, the 16th chapter, 20th verse, and 1 Corinthians, the 2nd chapter, 2 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 2, 4. <clears throat> the word neglect is an interesting word that spoke out to me when I was listening to a preacher on, on, on the television. It just ministered to me so much, and I took heed to what he was saying because it was so important. And I got this lesson from it. I'm not preaching his sermon, but I got a lesson. I got a, as a teacher, I got a message or a lesson for believers to hear. This word means in the English dictionary to deny proper care to. That's what neglect means. And then it means to disregard. Negligent means neglecting responsibilities. Negligible means to, too unimportant to matter. We are responsible for each gift given to us by God, whether it is salvation or the gift of the Holy Spirit or other gifts of the Spirit mentioned in the Bible. Neglect here in Hebrews 2 and 1 Timothy 4 in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, is to be careless of. It also means to make light of. It means be negligent. It means not regard. Salvation in the Greek means to rescue or safety, either physically or morally. Also, salvation means to deliver, which we, we mentioned a lot here. It means health, it means save, and it means saving. That is the Greek uh, rendition or the translations or, of our word salvation. First, I want to discuss what the Lord Jesus has done for us through this great salvation. He was God in the flesh, taking all that sin had to give from us. That's who he was. It had to do with the cross and Jesus' supreme sacrifice. He took all the types of sinful acts that we have gone through in some way or another. This is what he did, mentioning just some of them. And maybe you will think of others that maybe I missed, but I really tried to cover as much as I could. Number one, this is what he did. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life as a man overcoming sin. He had to be perfect. He had to be sinless to be the Lamb of God. Number two, he was fully submitted to his Father in his ministry and totally in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Not my will, Father, but thy will be done. Number three, he did it all by himself, thus showing he will be with us until the end. Have you ever thought about that? What he did, he did all by himself. All by himself. Nobody helped him. Nobody encouraged him. He did it all by himself. Number four, Jesus suffered betrayal and all his friends left him, thus covering loneliness for us. They left him. They couldn't take it. He said, I, what did he say to us, though? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Number five, he was falsely accused 
ridiculed and rejected by men, showing us by his power we can overcome accusations and rejections. We can do it because he did it. Number six, they called him names and slapped, slapped him and spit on him, but he overcame them, proving we can turn the other cheek by his help. Number seven, our Lord was beaten unmercifully for the healing of our bodies. That's Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2, 24. Number eight, he marched through the crowds on the road to Calvary's Hill as a criminal. He took our place. We were the criminals. We are the guilty ones. Number nine, he was stripped of his clothes and seamless robe, which the soldiers gambled for. Here he took our poverty. Everything he had, they took. He took our poverty. Do you know that robe was seamless? That's why they wanted it. It wasn't just any type of robe. It was a seamless robe. That's why they gambled for it. But this is a thought that came to me while I was studying this and writing all this down. In this place on the cross or where he was crucified, he was exposed. When they took off his clothes, he was exposed to the elements while hanging on the cross. Now, Passover time in Israel is not warm. I've been there in March. And Passover sometimes at the end of March and sometimes at the first of April, but it's not warm. You might need a jacket or you could, or you could have a cold wind or rain, cold rain hits you. When we went in March, it was snow on Mount Hermon. So he was exposed to the elements. Can you imagine all your clothes stripped off and you hanging there in the cold? He took our place so he could help us through any type of exposure. Whatever exposure you have to go through, the Lord went through it. So you don't have to go through it or he'll help you through it. Number 10, they placed a crown of thorns on his head. He took our place in his sufferings. Number 11, he was crucified on the cross with nails on his in his hands and feet. He took our place of punishment because that was how they... That was the punishment of the day. The Romans would crucify criminals and people that didn't go along with they thought the government. They would punish them by putting them on the cross. Number 12, he was pierced with a sword in his side for all the blood had to be shed for our sins. He had to bleed out all the way for our sins to be washed away. Number 13, Jesus was rejected by the Father while on the cross, taking the sins of the world on himself for us. Total rejection. That was what I think he dread more than anything else, was being rejected by his father, becoming sin. He didn't know sin. He didn't want to become sin, but he had to become sin for us. Number 14, he died and paid the price for sin and hell for us and was laid in a borrowed tomb to become impoverished so we can have prosperity. Number 15, he took the keys of death and hell away from Satan so we can be free. Revelation 1.18. Number 16, he, he arose from the grave and overcame death by the Holy Spirit's resurrection. 
which was planned by the Father to give us eternal life. Number 17. Our Lord now sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Because he sits there, Ephesians 2, 6 tells us we can sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Number 18. He sent us the Holy Spirit to seal us until the day of redemption. Isn't that wonderful? We've been sealed. Hallelujah. As born-again Christians. That's Ephesians 4, 30. Number 19. He is coming back. For, his, for the body of believers in the catching away in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Number 20, he will come back to the earth to set up his kingdom reign, and we will reign with him forevermore. Hallelujah. Revelations 5, 10. This is what salvation is all about. All these steps is what salvation is all about. It is complete deliverance from sin, sickness, pain, rejections, and poverty. It is receiving everlasting eternal life with him. Because he overcame all these things, we can too through the power of Christ who lives within us. Yes, some of these we may never have to go through. But he said we could have persecutions. We will have trials and persecutions. But he, is going, he has already gone through them. He passed the test. So he will be with us so that we can pass the test. So whatever comes our way of the devil, we can overcome it because Jesus overcame it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But our message today is about neglecting our salvation, right? How do we start neglecting our salvation? <clears throat> Number one, we neglect to pray or communicate with God just as Peter and the disciples neglected to pray in the garden before Jesus' death. Because of lack of prayer, Peter denied the Lord, and all the other disciples fled from him. Jesus told us to watch and pray so that we will not be led into temptation. Number two, we neglect to read our Bibles and forget to put on the whole armor of God, which is the word of God. Then we fall into temptation, and the trials of life overcome us instead of us overcoming them with the word. Number three, we forget to go to church or gather together and worship and praise God and neglect fellowship with like believers. By coming together in church, whether your church is in a church building, as the world would call a church building, or whether it's in home, in a home, where people are gathered together, or in a school, or in an auditorium, or wherever it may be. But when you gather together in fellowship, by coming together in that fellowship, we build up ourselves in the most holy faith as we gather in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Number four, we neglect our giving of our tithes and offerings. <clears throat> in this, we are telling God his salvation is not worthy of supporting Number five, we neglect our testimony. No longer do we share with people what the Lord did for us when we got saved. Now, when I was, I made, I had prepared this message way before Pastor Thad said it last night. I had, we hadn't talked. But we neglect our testimony when we share with people. 
We need to tell them what the Lord did for us when we got saved and what he's doing for us now while we are saved. Revelation 12, 11 says this, they overcame him, the devil, which he's talking about him as the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. We died with Christ. Sin has no influence over us anymore. Galatians 2.20 tells us that. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Hallelujah. And you can go on and on and read it and quote it. Number six. We can't neglect separating ourselves from the world. That is a problem with the church. We become too worldly minded. We associate more with the world than we do with the church or with the people of God. But we ought to separate ourselves from the world. We have been freed from the adjustment of the world. Now, I got that word adjustment by listening to God, uh, uh, Christian music on the, on the radio in the car. And they were talking about, I'm adjust, I have, have had an adjustment from the world. I've been, I have I've been adjusted and I don't, I'm not part of the world. I said, oh, stuck right here. So I can use that. What it means, we do not fit or function well with them because salvation tells us to live separated from the world. Number seven, we can't neglect watching and waiting for the Lord's return for his church. When we get to heaven, salvation is complete. We have been saved from eternal death, hell, and torment. But he's coming for those who's watching and waiting is what the scripture says. Jesus said that himself. He says, watch, pray, wait, be looking for me. Don't become impatient as you wait. Possess your soul with patience as you're waiting. But we are to watch. Every day could be the day the Lord comes. And those who are watching will be those that will be ready. Those who have their lamps trimmed and burning, according to the parable that Jesus gave of the five virgins, of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. You have to be watching because the bridegroom is going to come. And we are to be ready. He challenges us, his church, to be ready. By abiding by these seven steps, we are proving to God the world, and ourselves, that salvation is the most important part of our lives. Why would anyone want to neglect his or her salvation? I just hard for me to understand. Neglect brings on a penalty and retribution, possibly a, even a loss of a salvation. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31 explains this. We won't go into that, but you can read it. It's a dangerous place to neglect God and mock him. Ne negligence is a type of mockery. We turn it away. He's not important anymore. Neglect brings forth a falling away from your commitment to Christ. It starts gradually by not doing maybe one of the steps. And then you just go to the next step, the third step, the fourth step. And before you realize it, you're backslidden. You're all the way lost. You know, there's a lot of people don't even realize they're backslidden. The devil has them so deceived. Salvation is not important anymore to that particular person. 
And that's a shame. It's a terrible, terrible shame. So I adjure you, do not neglect your salvation. Honor and obey the God of your salvation. Put your trust in Jesus, your Savior, continually. And you will be eternally glad you did. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you eternally glad that you are trusting in Jesus? That is an eternal thing. You know that. Salvation is an, is, it was planned by God to be an eternal thing. But to those who will neglect, who may find themselves waiting still for the bridegroom, but yet he has already come. I trust today, those who are watching, that you will listen to this message and to this lesson that I just said, that I just gave. It's important. Salvation is the most important thing in the world. It has to do with eternity. It has to do with being secure in Jesus Christ. And to be born again, there will be a great change in your life. A great change. And you will feel it inside of you. Everything will become new. Old things will pass away. Hallelujah. You won't be yourself anymore. Oh, you still look the same in the mirror. If you're, if you're on the plump side, you still look plump. If you're on the thin side, you still look thin. You still may have a mole on your nose or on your face where you, you wish could remove. The Lord doesn't take that stuff away. Unless maybe I have seen things fall off through the prayer of faith. People had growths on them, and the man or woman of God's prayed, and the growths fell off. So maybe he can remove a mole too, if we can believe. I've been casting the moles off of me for a long time. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but you're still the same as you look in the mirror. But inside, you are a new creation. A new creation in Jesus Christ. Sealed by the Holy Ghost. On your way to heaven. Hallelujah. And you're happy to watch and wait for the bridegroom. Hallelujah. If you're out there, you've never been born again. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never asked him into your heart. See, I would like to have a new creation on the side of me. I would like to be a new creature, a new person. You can today. And I trust the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and drawing you to the cross of Jesus. Because on that cross, he paid it all for you so that you could be saved. You could be delivered from all sin and all the works of the devil. So won't you pray with me right now? Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you are the Son of God. And I want you to come into my heart. Come into my heart right now. Save me. Deliver me from all my sins. I repent of my wicked ways. I repent of going the wrong way. And I now come to you, Lord Jesus. And I'm expecting you to come and live inside of me. I receive your salvation. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Because God raised you from the dead, I can go to heaven and I can live eternally with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, 
coming into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.